Welcome, you're listening to the Agile Unemployment Podcast, where in each episode, we take an in-depth look at being out of work. We'll talk about the programs and benefits available to you. We'll talk about the job hunting process itself. And most importantly, we're going to address the psychological and emotional impact that being out of work has on the individual. I'm your host, Sabina Sulat. I'm an HR expert and author. A few years ago, I lost my dream job and found myself unemployed for the first time in my life. I was frustrated by the lack of resources and information available to people out of work. But more than that, I was just stunned by the fact that we don't talk about unemployment. I took my experience and I turned it into a book and I now coach people to build resilience while they're out of work. If you are out of work, if you recently lost your job, or maybe you've been unemployed for a while, or maybe you're just afraid that you might lose your current job, this is the place to be. We're a safe place where we can talk about all aspects of being out of work. We can answer your questions and we can help you build resilience so that when you go back to work, you are stronger and more confident than ever. So let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Sabina. How are you doing? I can't believe I'm doing this because I had no intention of doing another podcast until 2024 started and then a little something happened. So I'm going to set this up. I have a feeling it's not going to make sense to anyone but me and one other person. I'm okay with that, but it did precipitate my deciding I need to do just one more podcast in 23. A few days ago, I was out in public working with a friend. We were both at different tables of an establishment, and they're known for their bread bowl. We were working on our own, and we had agreed that we would come back and share work with each other. It was an accountability exercise and a way to get together with each other before the end of the year. But we were both so busy, it was the only thing we could figure out to do. But anyway, we're in public, we're at this restaurant, and it just felt like everybody in that area decided they needed to meet at that restaurant at that time and have these additional family gatherings. And people were very loud and not necessarily using indoor voices and having what I would call public conversation. I'm going to leave it at that. I was amused more than anything else. I ended up posting on private social media that it must be Festivus time because there was the airing of grievances. And if you don't understand that reference, you're probably a Gen Zer or a late millennial. Go ahead and Google it. And if you do get that reference, you know exactly what I'm talking about. A friend of mine replied to my post by saying, I can't wait to hear your podcast on the airing of grievances. And I laughed and I responded back to him in kind. And then (laughs) what happened was a lot of people, a lot of you listeners started posting back, listing your grievances in the job search, in everything that you're experiencing in unemployment. And that tipped the scales of, yeah, I think I need to have a podcast on this. So very long setup for this, but 
I also wanted to think a little more about this, and I didn't want it to be the airing of grievances. But I did think about end of year, and a lot of colleagues, a lot of people are doing lists of accomplishments and resolutions and goals. I'm all on board with all of that. But I wanted to do something a little different and combining the Festivus reference and then the response I was getting from people, what I thought about, what about the things we need to leave behind in 23? I don't know about you. In some ways, 23 was a great year. And in other ways, I am counting down the hours until midnight and the new year happens. But I have this list of things I want to leave behind with 23. I thought it would be good to do a podcast of things we need to stop doing in the job search, in unemployment, in reemployment, whatever you want to call it. What I want to talk about in this podcast are the things that we need to leave behind in 23 as we move forward to 24. And the way I'd like to do this, the way I want to set this up, I want to put this in categories of the roles we all play in the employment process. I want to break it down to organizations and companies, maybe HR and recruiters, and then what job candidates should leave behind. It'll make sense as you listen to it. So here we go. And some of these things are going to blur into each other because recruiters have a job and organizations tell them what to do. So it's hard to say who's the person that should leave this thing behind. And candidates are sometimes just a part of the system and you have to play that system and, and make that work for you. So keep an open mind as I go through this and understand. I get that it blurs. Think about what your responsibility is in it and what you want to leave behind. Let's start with companies and organizations. Overwhelmingly, what I hear time and time again is the length of time that it takes. And it is, I've said it before, a glacial pace. We have got to stop making the hiring process take so long. First of all, companies, you're losing top talent because someone else is also looking at them but you, you ruin engagement, you, these poor recruiters to bear the brunt of your lack of decision-making, we've just got to do better. And I, there is no reason in this day and age to have that slow pace in hiring. We have technology, we have remote working, all kinds of things to help make the hiring process so much easier organizations for crying out loud, stop making it take so long. Make this a priority. It is your biggest resource. It is the most important thing in your organization. The employees you hire, the people who work it, make sure you give them that kind of value. And kind of dovetailing right into this, the other thing is let's leave behind bad onboarding bad onboarding, bad orientation. This is something that needs incredible attention and I am going to address it real quick in the new year, a little teaser for you. 
reach out to me. I know people and we can make this process so much better than it is. Let's also make sure that we're focusing on the right things here. Let's not be sticklers about things such as, is a degree required for this or is a specific degree required? Very few professions have that. You want to make sure that the person can do the job. You need to make sure that the requirements match. And I get that also might be a recruiter thing, but organizations are the ones who really set that. Oh my gosh, it's almost so rigid on requirements. I worked at a place where they would only talk to people who had graduated from a certain organization because that's what the CEO wanted. And the talent pool was not very large. Let's put it that way. I would say also organizations, let your recruiting team do their job. Don't force them to be tactical. Let them be strategic, partner with them, collaborate with them. Do not make them be these drones who, you know, go ahead and field calls and weed through applicant tracking systems and have to beg managers to interview candidates, support your recruiters for crying out loud. Uh, they are trusted advisors to you and they can help you make your organization grow and develop and become even better if you give them the authority and the scope to do the jobs that they are trained to do. I am not kidding. And one more thing I think is, as an organization, favoritism. And I know that's a tricky thing, but I think there really is sometimes a bias by organizations in how they hire and what they're looking at. And it's almost like casting. Let's let go of that preconceived notion that maybe bias that we have about what our ideal employee, I'm going to say it, looks like, the credentials that they have. Be open-minded. Organizations nowadays are saying, oh, we want diversity. That includes diversity of thought, diversity of individual. You do not want this cookie cutter workforce. A more diverse workforce, they stay, they work hard, they bring new ideas that you probably haven't even thought about. So let's leave that kind of bias, that ideal behind and actually look for people who can do the job and do it well and add to the organization. It's not a big list, but it's an important list for organizations. And I'll go back to it again. Above all, support your recruiting team. Make them the power brokers that they are. Okay, so let's move to recruiters. And before you guys write to me, I'm just going to say, I understand sometimes it's not your call, but you should be advocating in your organization Leave behind the idea that you have to do what you're told. I understand that especially recruiting has been hit hard by layoffs because people aren't hiring. Why do you need recruiters? Position yourself as this trusted advisor. Leave behind the idea that you are the desk jockey. Instead, 
collaborate with OD and HR and leaders to bring in the skill set and the people that are needed in an organization. There are a few things that recruiters do that I do think you can completely control, and I want to hit them. Number one is this, it's this dance that everybody does of what does the position pay and what is the hiring process like and what are you looking for? Let's be honest about these things. An interview shouldn't be a judgment situation. An interview should be a conversation between recruiting, hiring managers, and candidates. Is this a good fit for everybody? If we make it a little more friendly and less adversarial, less judgmental, you're going to get a much better response. You're actually going to get the candidates that you need. Let's hit on something else, and I know this is a touchy subject, communication. First of all, let's leave ghosting behind. I get that you can't possibly reach out to every person whose application you get. Technology, although it's been helpful, technology also is a burden because now you get thousands of people applying for one role. I get that there's a triage system. What I mean by ghosting is if you've called the person, if you've personally emailed them, not a system-generated email, but something that someone in your office has sat down and typed out, if you've acknowledged them as a human being, do not ghost. Do not drag your feet. Do not leave them sitting around waiting for a text, a phone call, an email. You should have a defined process and you should be holding people internally, meaning hiring managers, decision makers, accountable to that because you're the one who has to be the client liaison, the candidate liaison. Someone else is causing a problem for you. Do not let them leave that behind in 23. So no ghosting, be a good communicator, be transparent about everything about the job that you can be. We're all professional adults here. Let's start acting like it. The other thing, leave behind letting hiring managers boss you around. They should be helping you fill this role. They should make the time to interview people. They should be prepared. You as recruiters are the ones who are going to get them there. Leave behind being secondary in your organization. Start asserting recruiting and making it this function that it is meant to be. Don't settle for being less than in your organization. I would say one more thing for recruiting to leave behind is same thing I said with organizations that you have an idea in your head as to what you need for a role. It could be influenced by the hiring manager, the organization, Be open-minded. If we're going to say DEI is important to us, then let's go ahead and look for unique candidates. Let's look for somebody who maybe doesn't fit the mold and see what they bring to the job. And I'm going to go back on it. I, one more thing, I would love recruiting to leave behind. And I think this is another touchy subject that reliance on technology I hear it all the time. People will apply for a job for a role that they've had their entire career. 
and they will say, you know, this job description doesn't even match what I usually do. And I don't think they want me to do something different. I think they just don't understand the job. Recruiting, you need to make sure that the job descriptions that are put into all of the platforms, all the websites, everything else are really accurate to the job. Don't just take someone's word for it. If you need to train your hiring managers or your HR generalists to write a good job description and make sure that it actually reflects the role and the duties that that person will be doing when you hire them, you stand your ground and you make that happen. More importantly, we are getting so reliant on skill set. Yet the skills, I see the same old skills listed. I want someone who communicates. I want somebody who's a leader. I want somebody who has attention to detail. That's great. That helps the applicant tracking system filter. But what does that look like in your organization? How do you communicate? What, in, what is good? What does good look like? We always ask that question. What does good look like in a communicator for your organization? Those are things you should know. Those are standards you should be not adhering to. You should be setting them. And then one more thing. This drives me crazy. I have people fight me on this all the time. And I'm always right on it. And I hate that I'm right on it. But when you put those skills into the job description onto a platform, there seems to always be this idea of putting in things that, do we really need them? What I mean by that are things like Microsoft Office Suite, Google Documents. If you need someone who's computer literate, fine, go ahead and put that in. But don't make something that's obvious that people will not think about to put on their resumes do not make that the gatekeeper for your applicants. For crying out loud, we all know the urban legend that a CEO was leaving an organization and he decided to anonymously send his resume to see if he would get called in for an interview. And it turned out something simple like PowerPoint kept him out of the candidate pool. It's ridiculous. Make sure you don't have an unnecessary gatekeeper as you're using technology to help you get through all of your applicants and filter out who you need to talk to. Let's be reasonable about this. Uh, you have no idea the people you are leaving behind in that pool of resumes of applications that never gets past the applicant tracking system because of things like that. And if you think you're not getting a great candidate pool, maybe you need to go back to your applicant tracking system parameters, your website parameters, and see, are we really looking appropriately for candidates for given roles? I know that's a hard one, and technology can be such a time saver, but it is also something that it's a double-edged sword, and you need to be, use it responsibly. Oh, and you can tell I wasn't prepared for this because I'm going to add one more thing. The employee referral. If you aren't leveraging that, maybe you do want 
diversity and you want new people to come, but seriously, just for the reason I stated with technology being a good thing and a bad thing at the same time, more than ever, that employee referral, the word of somebody who is a trusted employee coming and saying, yeah, I'm going to vouch for this person. I think you need to talk to them. It used to be that if you knew somebody in the company, you were in, you were assured at least an interview or a phone call. More and more, I'm hearing that that's being disregarded. I don't know why. If it's that you don't want to have to pay out the employee referral fee, if you have one, if you don't trust an employee's opinion, well, they shouldn't be your employee. You need to keep leveraging networking and the referral programs because technology only takes you so far. We're humans. We need that human interaction. I know their abilities. It might not come through in an interview. Leave behind the distrust of your employees and start actually letting them help you in, that, in the recruiting process. And now this brings me to candidates. And this is a little hard because I know how hard the job search is. And I know how hard unemployment is. But sometimes we're our own worst enemy. I know I was when I was a candidate. There were certain things it took me a long time to embrace. Once I did, my process changed so much for the better. Here are a few things that we need to stop doing as candidates. And this is a hard one for me. I'm in your corner. Understand, I'm just saying this for your own best interest. But one of the things I'm going to say to candidates out there, and again, I mean it with love, leave behind your preconceived notions of the job search. Things have changed so much in the past couple of years and they continue to change and evolve. It is not the same search process you might have gone through even a couple of years ago. This is part of my job now where I keep up with these things and I'm shocked at how quickly things change. And it can be the thing that keeps you from getting into the recruiter's inbox. It can be the thing to hold your resume back. Put what you think you know about the job search, shelve it, leave it back in 23. Some things to consider. First of all, your mental state, your attitude. And I, again, this is difficult to say, but I get that it's hard. I get that it's daunting, overwhelming, depressing even. I'm not saying you have to lie. I'm not saying you have to pretend. But you do have to keep a positive outlook. I have argued with people very recently where everyone has said to me, oh, it's such a bad job market. I'm seeing people get hired left and right because... They're leaving behind that preconceived notion of what the job search looks like. We are in a brave new world right now, and you do need to adjust a few things. The good news is it's not a lot that you have to change, but there are some very key things. One thing I want you to leave behind is how you think about the resume. 
people get very, very attached to their resumes. And I get it. You've done some great things. You're very proud of it. You should be. Understand the resume's role has changed in the past couple of years. It used to be this almost autobiographical sketch of who you were professionally, everything that you've done. It is no longer that. And you need to understand that in order to be successful in your job search. Yes, you list a few key things, but when a recruiter or hiring manager right now is reading a resume, what they want to find out is not what you've done, but rather what you've done, how that's going to help you be successful at the job they're interviewing you for. It's a tiny shift, but it's things like, what are the skill sets that you're going to bring to the table? Are you aligned with their company vision and values. It's not that your accomplishments don't mean a lot, but what will happen is a recruiter or hiring manager is going to go to your online profile and they're going to find that detail. What they want to see in that resume is what can you do for me? And you need to show them that it is not about you and your past. The resume really is how you're going to springboard into that future. That's the other thing, skills. Enlist every single skill that you can think about. You want to make sure that there are things that you are good at and that you enjoy doing and want to continue doing and that tie into that job you're interviewing for or that level that you're going for. You need to make sure all of that ties together. Here's another thing I would love you to leave behind. Modesty. That's a funny one for me to ask you to leave behind. You have a tiny window of time and opportunity when you're talking with recruiters and hiring managers. I get that we are told, you know, oh, it was a team effort. Okay, great. But what did you do on that team? You need to sell yourself in interviews. It is not the time for modesty. It is the time to take ownership of who you are, what you can do. I'm not saying that you want to be conceited or overinflate your abilities by no means. That will catch up with you if you get hired. But this is leave that modesty behind. There are ways to do it tactfully. I, I was a part of a team. My key role was I'm incredibly organized. So I kept us on schedule. There. I gave the team credit, but I also extolled what I did. Leave that modesty in the car in the parking lot. Make sure that you bring your A-game when you are coming to interview. Another thing you need to leave behind in the job search, and I require anyone I work with to do this, stop applying to everything under the sun. You're not qualified for it. It's not a good fit for you. There's just no way. You want to bring a quality over quantity attitude to your job search. You only want to apply to jobs that you want. Bring that into 24. Do not just hit the apply button because you can, because it remotely sounds like something you can do. Go through everything and then bring that quality search to your job interviews. Uh, make sure that you are prepared that you know the company, that you know how you fit in to their vision, their mission, their goals. 
all of that will help make you the ideal candidate for them. Another thing I'd like to see you leave behind, and I'm not sure how to phrase this, is having the job search on autopilot. What I mean by that is maybe you haven't looked at your resume lately. Maybe you're not looking at the job description. You need to bring enthusiasm to this. And it's so hard, especially if you've been out of work for a while. There are a lot of things you can do to psych yourself up, but all of that crosses over and it's what recruiters, hiring managers see. It's what coworkers will see. So it's one of those things where you need to be able to get past that. I'm not saying ignore it completely. I'm a big advocate of really working through your feelings and the grief process of being out of work or being in a toxic environment, but there's a time and a place. And you might need to, rather than this one size fits all approach, you might have to work on compartmentalizing how you're feeling and how that shows. That's a tough one, but it's a necessary one if you want to get hired. I told you to leave behind the modesty. And another part of that is leave behind devaluing yourself. I understand the need for getting a job, but you need to know your worth and your value. You need to be prepared in your interviews to discuss things like salary, benefits, anything that you want in the job, leadership style, working parameters, all of that. You need to know what you want. Do not devalue yourself because you lost a prior job or you're underemployed. I've referred to this several times, but in an interview, I asked a recruiter once, what's the salary range for this job? Very normal conversation. The recruiter point blank said to me, this is what the job pays. It pays X. And you're unemployed, so you really don't have any room to negotiate. One of the worst things I've ever been told in the interview process. Here's the worst part. I believed that recruiter. I thought they were right. And I took a salary that was, when I got into the organization, I found out just how low my pay was compared to coworkers compared to people who reported to me. It was embarrassing. I don't think I was ever respected because of it. And it just should not have happened. Had I known my value or believed it a little more, I could have negotiated. I should have negotiated. So leave behind this thought that you are less than because of your situation, but know your value. Know the market value of the role you're applying for your education, your experience, everything that you're bringing to the table and know what you want. That is paramount. Okay. And here's another thing that as a candidate, you need to leave behind in 23, this dependency on technology. Yes, it's great. I can teach you to game an applicant tracking system and get in the inbox, but then you have to show up. Do not falsely rely on technology to get you through. It's not going to get you the job. You might end up 
getting a lot of screens, a lot of interviews to only not move forward. And that's going to make you feel worse. So if you have that reliance on technology and you try to game it, it will come back to you. We don't want recruiters and companies to rely too much on that technology. Let's leverage it for all it's worth, but let's also make sure that we're being true to ourselves here. So do not just hit the apply button because you can. Do not just look up the skills of a job and put that on your resume. And the tricks that people are doing are hysterical. I'm not sure I even want to share some of them, but I know now that I've said it, you're listening saying, what are you talking about? You have to share now. Somebody sent me a trick of, please don't do this, copying and pasting the job description onto their resume, but pasting it in white or whatever color matches the background of their resume, then typing their resume over that and sending it through in the attempt to game artificial intelligence for the job. I don't know how successful that technique is. Don't do that. But that over-reliance on technology, and I said it earlier in this recording, just like I told recruiters and organizations to pay more attention to that employee referral, a way for you not to be so dependent on technology is to make your network work for you. I have rarely seen it fail. In fact, I've never seen it fail. If you reach out and you know somebody who works in an organization, go ahead and ask them to help you. Sooner or later, that pans out. It is a way to make sure that we are not too dependent on technology. It is a way for companies to make sure that their candidates, their employees actually are dependable and have the skills that they need. You know, old school does work. And this is one of the biggest old school things of getting a job is leveraging who you know. You have to have the skills to back it up, but do not be afraid to make your network work for you. And then this is my final piece of advice for candidates. Let's stop thinking that we are passive or pawns in the job search. I went out to dinner with a former colleague of mine a few days ago, and we had this debate about, is it a candidate's job market? And he didn't think that it was. And I advocated that I think it is. And this is why he's one of my best friends. He sat there and he thought for a few minutes during dinner. And then he came back and he said, I'm coming back and I'm agreeing with you. But I think it's the fact that there's been this shift. It's always been a candidate's job market. We're just realizing it. And I raised my glass to him and I'm like, exactly. This is exactly what I've been advocating all along. Employees, we have the talent. We have the ability. We have the skill. Employers and organizations need us a lot more than we need them. There's only one of us, but there are plenty of organizations that would love to hire you. Everyone who I work with who gets hired 
has made that shift to understanding that they're collaborators in this job search process, that it should be a conversation of, is this the right fit? But in an interview, you as the candidate are interviewing the hiring manager, the organization, the team, just as much as they are interviewing you. So often candidates go in with their fingers crossed and they're like, oh, please pick me. No. You want to be that person that the organization, the team is like, gosh, hope we can hire this person. And what differentiates those two situations is you and your attitude. Knowing your skill set, not being overly inflated, but just understanding what you can do, what you bring to the table, your market value, where you fit into the organization. Is this a place you want to work? Do you have the skill set for the job? Do you understand and align with the vision, mission, and values? Is it a good fit with the team? All of that, you need to decide that. And when you decide that you are an equal in this process, you will be shocked at how much this does impact your success rate as you're looking for a job. Okay, that was a lot, a lot more than I thought it would be. If you're listening, take into account and think about what you want to leave behind in 23 in your job search. What's not working for you? What do you need to change? What do you need to do to make this process work for you? Is it you? Is it your resume? Is it the technology? Is it your preconceived notions about what a job search should be like, what an interview should be? All of that. And think about as we go into the new year, what you want for yourself, what you are worth and ask for it and you will get it. For organizations who are listening to this or any recruiters or HR members, I hope you do listen to what I said. We need to do better. We need to make our employees, our candidates, the jobs. They are the most important thing of an organization. Leverage your recruiting team, your HR team, recruiting HR. Make your organization see you as the collaborators and consultants you are. Don't be tactical. Don't settle for that. When you bring them quality candidates, your work will show for itself. I hope as we move into 24, we start to look at the employment landscape, how we approach the job search, how we approach employment, and look at it differently. It's rapidly changing. All of us need to, yep, be agile and keep up with things, but also decide what we want it to be and not let the past dictate what it is. So that's all I have right now. I look forward to talking to everybody in 24. I hope that it's going to be an amazing year for everybody. I'm looking forward to it. And I hope you are too. Talk to you soon. Have a great new year. And there you have it for today. I hope you learned something or heard something today 
that is helping you as you are in your out of work journey and that will help you normalize the conversation about being out of work. If you heard something that resonated with you, please show us support, subscribe, like, or comment on something. If you'd like to learn more information, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Sabina Sula. I'm the only one. You can also reach out to me on my website, reworkingworks.com. You can also email me at ssulat at reworking.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to know about private coaching, more about the book, more about the podcast, I wish you luck in your getting back to work journey. I hope that you've learned something here that if it hasn't made that journey a little shorter, it's at least made it a little easier. Until next time, thanks for joining.